Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Shelly Archambault here with us here today, who's a Fortune 500 board member, former CEO of Metric Stream, advisor and author. Shelly's an experienced CEO and board or director with a track record of accomplishments, building brands, high-performance teams, and organizations. She currently serves on the boards of Verizon, Nordstrom's, Roper Technologies, and Okta. Is that how you say that, Shelly? Okta. Okta, Okta. She's also a strategic advisor to the Royal Bank of Canada, Capital Markets Group, and Forbes Ignite. She has over 30 years of experience in technology. She's a former CEO of Metric Stream, a Silicon Valley-based governance, risk, and compliance software company. During her tenure with Metric Stream, grew from a fledgling startup into a global market leader. She's the author of Unapologetically Ambitious, Take Risks, Break Barriers, and Create Success on Your Own Terms, a book that will inspire you and provide the tools to enable you to fight the battles, make the trade-offs, and create the life you want. She is also a Forbes contributor and the protagonist of the Harvard Business School case study, Becoming CNO. She enjoys performing arts, traveling, cooking, writing a blog that provides career advice, insights, and other musings. Shelly, welcome, and thank you so very much for being here. Oh, it's great to be here, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. This is so such a delight, and I was telling you offline, Shelly, so I've read your book. I read through it once thoroughly, and then I read through it a second time going through my probably hundred pages that were dog-eared and highlighted and something I absolutely love and appreciate about this book and I, I wanted to just make this clear I read a lot of books I read a lot of business books I do not look at this as another business book and that's what I love and appreciate most about it while this book is very much about ambition and, and going after goals and setting plans what was so incredibly fascinating about this book is you were so candid in showing the behind the scenes it was the success you created at home that really led to the success that you were able to do in your career. And it was, and when I was reading the book, it almost comes across as, uh, I think you had said earlier, a hybrid where it's, it's part business book, but really it's, it reads almost like a love story to your family and what they were able to do and the choices that you all made to help support your career, tra- career trajectory. And so for anyone who is looking for a different kind of read to really help advance you in your business. And I, I think too, one thing that's really important and I'm going to let Shelly talk is what she covers in here is not just going to help you be successful in career. She really lays out quality plans to live a better life, live a more and experience a more meaningful relationship. And that all kind of ties together in the journey she takes us on in this book. And Shelly, I want to first start off by just congratulating you for creating such a masterpiece and I want to ask about your intentionality and how you wrote the book, about having it be and come out in the way it did, about it reading as not just a business book, but really like a love story to your family and the support and the choices that you all made as a, as a unit together throughout your journey. Thank you, Jesse. And, and goodness, thank you so much for those kind, kind words about it. I'm so, so pleased. Um, so when I sit down to write the book, it was fulfilling a commitment that I made to myself. Uh, I decided more than 10 years ago that I was going to write a book when I got to phase two. And the reason was I have tried my entire career to be accessible and approachable. 
because I want, I wanted people to be able to touch me. So if you reached out to me, I, I responded. But over time, as I got more and more responsibility, I couldn't meet with everybody that wanted to meet with me, that wanted to hear the strategies, what worked, what didn't, all those things. But I wanted to be able to share it. So I mm -hmm. said, when I got to phase two, I'm going to write it down. So when I sat down to write the book, it was really, you know, the analogy I like to give, it's almost like creating a table. You know, mm -hmm. the first time I went through, it's like, all right, what are the concepts I want to get? What are the messages I want to deliver? Right? I want, it was functional. So it's like taking a table. What's a table? Some, it's a structure that holds something. Please apply wood, four legs. You got a table. It works. Not interesting. Nobody wants to buy it, but it works. That was kind of like my first run through. Okay, fine. So then it's like, all right, got to make sure we add some depth and some color things make it interesting. So, all right, let's dig deep. Let's share what was going on. So it was really like a layering and a layering and a layering of trying to express not just what I learned, but trying to share more how I learned it. You know, what, what actually transpired and mm. the fact that this thing called life, this thing called life is hard. And too many times people tell their stories and because you only have 180 pages or a one hour talk or whatever it is, what you hear is the highlights. Oh, I took step one, step two, step three, and boom, right, I got here. And sitting in the audience, you're reading it, you're like, wow, that's wonderful, but that's like not my life at all. So in all honesty, I wanted to be able to share what it actually takes, what it actually takes. And the fact that it is, yes, it's your profession, but frankly, to have your goals achieved, you've got to pull it all together. You know, that's why I don't like things like work-life balance because I don't see work and life and like there's two different hats that I somehow take on and off all the time. No, I'm one person. So I wanted to tell the story from a one person perspective, which is yes, as you're striving and achieving and creating your ambitions. And if you want to have a husband and kids and an active life and involvement in the community and the whole bit, it all goes together. And so you have to treat it all together. So when I set out to write the book, I wanted to create a holistic picture of who I am, the help and support that I got, right? The challenges, the hard stuff, you know, lessons learned, failures. I wanted to try to put it out there so that people see, listen, I'm just a regular person. So if I can do this, you can do this. You know, I appreciate that so much because in hearing you say the highlight reel, Something I think that's really incredible about what you've created here is in the, in the book, we really, your family becomes the main characters of the book, where it's your parents first and they're, they're sac the things that they're doing, the choices that they're making. There's a beautiful story in there about your mom talking about choosing the smallest piece of the pie. And maybe if we have time, you can touch on that because that was such a, a beautiful and moving story and them creating the, the Christmas experience in the hotel and then going through and your husband and you being so intentional about how you're going to create your life, how, what you're going to do, and then communicating with your kids through the whole journey. And there's this goal, overarching goal of all this for you to become a CEO. But when you become the CEO, you talk about it, but there's never the detail that you go into with it of, of your family, which I thought was really incredible because what really was the goal was to get there and then you executed, which you obviously did incredibly. 
and it was just, it was so much more of a highlight of the journey. And I, and I was curious as reading it, Shelley, I had the thought in it that it was almost like this book was written to at different parts of the book was written to people who were maybe just out of high school going into college, but also people who were in their professional career. And then people who are also in that, maybe that fork in the road point of their life where they're trying to make a decision about, gosh, you know, I've been on this path, but maybe I should trust my gut and go this path. Did you have kind of a specific avatar in mind when you were writing this out and, and people that you were thinking of who you would love to pick up this book and read it? I did. And it was advice that I got as I set out to write it. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. If you get a new job, you find people who've done the job already and you talk to them and learn from them. So you start on first base and not home plate. Mm. So when I decided to write, I'm like, okay, let me go talk to people who know what they're doing. And, what, and I got several pieces of advice, but one of them was have the reader in mind. Have the reader in mind. Who are you talking to? And so I said, all right. So the person that I was talking to was a person in their 20s and 30s, you know, 25 to 35 year old. Because the decisions that most people make in that one decade, that one decade, you live 70, 80, 90 years, but that one decade, you make so many decisions that have an outsized implication on the trajectory of the rest of your life. You mm. choose where you're going to live. You choose what you're going to do for a job. You choose where your you know, geography. A lot of people pick their life partners in that period of time. They decide they're going to have kids, right? They do. I mean, all these things you pick, those are major things all in this like short period of time. And most people don't approach it strategically at all. It just kind of happens. And so I wanted to share, hey, if you think about this strategically, you can make all your decisions, but you can also position yourself better so that you can handle the next 30, 40, 50 years. Um, so that's who I had in mind. But at the same time, it's the same message that is actually helpful for everyone, no matter what stage you're in, as long as you have an objective, as long as there's something that you are trying to achieve, and it doesn't matter whether you're 20, 30, 40, 70, hmm. if you have something out there that you're trying to achieve, then I believe that the, the messages, the approaches, the things that I share in the book will help you do that. So talk to us about the power of planning you one of your superpowers that to me became very evident throughout this book is you are a planner i there was a point in the book where you talked about buying a jacket when you were i think 19 years old in college <laughs> buying it telling your friends that you got this oversized jacket because you'd still be able to wear it years later when you're pregnant and i was so impressed by that because when i think back to myself being 19 and clothing choices at that time there was definitely not planning for the future in that respect. And that becomes thematic throughout your whole journey is there's always this planning from planning the jacket to planning how, how you and your husband are going to communicate with who does the dishes, who takes the trash out. And you go into such detail with it. So can you talk to us a little bit about planning and how did you, how did you become such a great planner? And what kind of role and how important is planning for us in developing our careers, developing a better quality of life? So I learned very early in life, Jesse, that the odds were just not in my favor. And so if I just did what everybody else did, I knew that I wasn't going to get what I want. So planning, strategizing, thinking about, okay, what do I want? 
And then what has to be true for me to actually get it? Mm. And then how do I make it true? Literally, those three questions were the questions that I've been asking myself since I was a teenager. Whether it was, okay, I want to run for president of this organization. So what has to be true? Well, I've got to get in votes. Well, how do I go get votes, right? What, and therefore, and now let me go make it happen. Two, I want to be CEO. And what has to be true, right? And how do I make that happen? Two, I would love to get married younger versus older. And I'd love to have kids younger. So what would have to be true? I mean, all those, I, that's the way I approached everything. Because I found that when I did that, I could actually improve my odds. Because here's the secret. A lot of people will set goals. And by the way, the difference between a dream and a goal, when I say goal, I'm not meaning dream. The difference between a dream and a goal is a plan and a timeline. So a lot of people will set goals. Some people will then put the plan in place to achieve the goals. But very few people I find make decisions every day consistent with their plan. So when I laid out a plan, I then just assumed that it was going to happen. Now, did that mean it was a guarantee? Of course not, but I assumed that it would. So therefore, in assuming that it's gonna happen, I would make decisions today, assuming these things are going to happen. So therefore, mm -hmm. when they did happen, I was lucky. I wanted to get married young. My parents said they will help us with college or help us with wedding, our choice. Well, I picked college, which meant I had to pay for my wedding. Well, I wanted to get married younger versus older if I found the right person. So I started working extra in college so I could start saving for a wedding. Who does that? Yeah. I do, right? I do. I do that because if I found the person and we said, yes, we want to get married, I didn't want to just say, well, great. Now we got to wait three years because I got to save up the money for the wedding. No, I wanted to be able to then get married because that was the goal. And sure enough, I got married two months, August, wait, June, June, July, August, three months, three months after I graduated from college and I paid for my wedding. Mm. So I just assumed things were going to happen. And then I made every decision assuming that. And somehow that helps you improve your luck and improve your odds because you're intentional about everything that you do. So the whole power, plus if you assume that it's going to happen, then you are now you're, you're believing it, right? And so you're thinking about it and it's top of mind as your actions. So you now envision what your future is going to be. And I think that also just helps drive for me, motivation, right? All those things. A lot of people, I hear this all the time, Shelly, and I even catch myself using the verbiage. And I've, since reading your book, I've been working on it's been great reminder for me to catch myself when I use it because I know it's not the best verbiage to use. And so I appreciate so much what I'm about to share. A lot of folks believe, and we talk all the time about the sacrifices it takes to be successful. You got to sacrifice this. You got to be willing to sacrifice time with this. You got to be willing to sacrifice this. You got to sacrifice this. The list goes on and on and on. You talk about, it's not about sacrifices. It's about making conscious choices. And there is this beautiful, moment where you shared a story about your mom and your mom was would make dinner would make dessert everybody would have dessert and she would always take the smallest piece of pie and save that for herself and I think you had a conversation with her that was essentially like mom what's the point of doing this 
when you're getting the, you know, you're doing all the work and you're getting the smallest piece. Exactly. You know, mom, so my mother was the hardest working person in our family. She didn't work outside the home, but she made home. My dad used to call her the magician. He'd bring home his little bit of money he would describe and she turned it into a life. So all of our food was homemade. She made all of our clothes. I mean, she did, she was just incredible in terms of just how much she did and impacted, not just with the family, but the community. So here she is, you know, she always went to bed last, woke up first. I mean, she didn't get much sleep and here she is. She makes dessert. We had homemade dessert every night, four kids, two adults, homemade dessert every night, nuts, but we did. And we called it goodies. So, all right, when it was time to get goodies, right, somebody would cut and then everybody would reach in to take their piece. And mom always took her piece last, which by definition was the smallest because nobody's going to take a smallest piece of dessert. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I'm in the kitchen one day, I'm cleaning up. And one of the things we had to do is after we finished cleaning the kitchen, we had to bring mom and dad coffee. And I think it was their way of knowing when we actually finished our chore. So anyway, and I've been thinking about this whole thing. And I'm like, you know, so bring her the, the coffee. And I sit there and tell her, I said, Ma, I've decided I am not having children. And she's like, okay, let's talk about this, right? Because I'm a teenager now. And she says, what's, you know, what are you thinking? And I'm basically like, not listen. You work so hard. You get hardly any sleep. You're the one that is sewing and cleaning and doing all, organizing, keeping all this in track. And then you're doing all the cooking. You make dessert, the best part of the meal. And you end up with the last piece, which is always the smallest piece of the pie. I am not working as hard as you work to get the smallest piece of pie. I refuse to do that. Hmm. Well, she said to me, she said, Shelly, if I cared about that pie, I wouldn't have the smallest piece. She goes, I don't care about the pie. I have everything that I care about. The mm. key is to figure out what you care about and then go get what you want. And you know, that was just a huge message for me. Huge message. So that's the way I've always looked at it. It's like, okay, I can have what I want as long as I'm willing to make the choices and trade-offs. She gave up big pieces of pie. She gave a lot of things she gave up, but those weren't sacrifices. You know, the reason I talk about sacrifice, if people ask me, so what sacrifices have you made? I say not a single one. Mm. Because a sacrifice to me is something that I do for someone else. Not for me, but I do it for someone else. You know, I've sacrificed something for you. Well, when I sacrifice for someone else, that does two things. One, it basically says, I just kind of lost my power because I'm doing something for someone else. But the other thing it does is eventually you're going to get upset with that someone else because you never, for all that you are giving up, you never feel that you are getting your due, whether it is the feedback, the compliments, the help, the something, you're just never quite getting it. So that becomes this really tough tension. All this that I do for you and you don't appreciate it, right? All that, you can hear the conversations. No, no, no. I make choices. I do them for me and for those that I care about, but they're my choices, I own them. And therefore mm. I keep my power. I keep my power. And I don't put extra stress and strain and all that on other relationships. So if I made tough trade-offs and tough choices, 
damn right I have. And you'll see them and read about them in the book for sure. You know, I, I went to work five weeks after, after having my first child, not even six, five. Did I do that for the office? Did I do that for my husband? Did I do that? No, I did that for me. All right. Nobody forced me to do that. I could pretend that I got forced to do it. Right. But at the end of the day, it was my decision. So I own that. I commuted multiple times away from my family. Right. So, I mean, yes, lots of trade-offs and lots of hard choices, but I own every one of them. That came through so loud and clear in the book. And it was, I think one of the most deeply inspiring parts of the book is you kept coming back to this point of choice and reiterating it to the reader to remind us that. And it was almost like, it felt like at times you were peering over my shoulder as I was reading and you could feel me going, gosh, that's really sacrificing a lot. And then you would tap me on the shoulder and say, I'm making a choice here. And I just, I appreciated that so much because it really does come down to that choice piece, right? And how we language it, especially for ourselves. It, it, it just is such a much more empowering and it, it, it puts you in the driver's seat yes. as opposed to, I think a lot of us, sometimes we feel we're in the passenger seat, hoping that we have the opportunity, hoping it'll be our turn versus taking the initiative to put yourself there in the first place. Exactly. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah. I want to talk a little strategy with you for a moment, if we can. Your mom has another really, your mom is this, serves as this advisor, it seems like, throughout much of the early parts of the book and comes away with some of the most powerful lessons. It was interesting because I was actually talking with a client about this earlier today who owns a number of companies and we were talking about letting go of control. Letting go of control, giving opportunity to other people, from putting his people in place to shine. And there is a story that I think you and your mom were sewing and your mom looked at you and said something to the effect of Shelly, you know, I don't know how to take out the trash since she's smiling at you and you kind of respond back. Wait, wait, you don't know how to take out the trash. And she's, then she says something else, uh, you know, I don't know how to wash like, windows. Yeah, right? yes, she yes. Yeah, she, she went through a whole list of yes. all these things that she does not know how to do. <laughs> yes. And then the big reveal becomes about sharing responsibilities. If you could talk a little bit about that and then what that meant to you in terms of how you took that into a leadership role later on down the road, because I think a lot of leaders struggle with that relinquishing responsibility and feel that where that almost is a mantle that it's, it's up. If it's going to succeed, I have to do it all plus more. Yes, and that definitely is a feeling that a lot of people have. But yeah, that was another, it's another huge lesson. This whole thing about all the things, all these things she didn't do, right? And because, well, my father did them. So, you know, the way I, I took that was, okay, got it, right? The key is to, again, decide and make choices. Decide what you're going to do, but decide what others are going to do too. Because one of the habits that we can fall into, and especially women uh, at home, because we feel that we're judged, on everything that happens in and around home. We wanna make sure that everything is as perfect as we can make it. Well, you know what? Life's too short. We don't have time to do all that and everything else that we're actually trying to do. So dividing and conquering is really important, but more than dividing and conquering, it's also how you help develop other skills. Let me give you an example. My, son, my husband, all right, so my husband, and just to get a picture of my, 
my husband, my late husband, who was who he was, you know, he was a football player at one time, professional. So he's a big guy, you know, six two, right? Big hands, the whole bit. Well, our first child was a little girl with thick curly hair. And we're both working. So I can't do her hair all the time. He's got to be able to do her hair too. Now, has he ever braided little girl's hair, brushed, combed, knotted? No, never. So we had two choices, right? He's can try. And then I could look and say, oh, that's not good enough, right? And come back and do it over, which would totally make him feel inadequate. He would probably give up and say, fine, I'm just not doing it. You do it, right? Or I can let him learn because hmm. it's just practice. Getting good at something is just practice. I was terrible when I first started braiding hair too. So we let him practice. Well, what did that mean? For like two months, her hair was pretty jacked up when she went to school, you know? <laughs> you know Braids a little crooked, this little thing. But you know what? She didn't care. She's a little kid. They don't care. But I'm sure there were mothers that were looking at this little girl thinking, where is her mother? Right? <laughs> what in the world? I'm sure it was happening. But again, didn't bother me because was my family safe? Yes. Was everybody healthy? Yes. Do everybody take responsibility? Do we get things done? Yes. Don't, I don't let people judge me or I don't accept judgment on things that I have not deemed are important. And that was yeah. one that I deemed wasn't important. I have a picture on the wall to this day of Kethlin, our daughter, with, it was picture day that Scotty did her hair. One braid pinned up top, and it was supposed to be two braids, like a little crown. Well, one's pinned on top and one's hanging down and it's unraveling, okay? Not what the hairstyle was supposed to be, but it's been on our wall since it was taken when she was probably about, I don't know, six years old or something. Why? Because it's a reminder. It's a reminder of that, that picture, that hairstyle, that didn't impact her or us or any of our plans or any of our health or anything at all, right? So it was okay. <laughs> love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that. And I love you described that, that the braid and the, the braid in the picture in the book. It, it, it's such a beautiful scene. There was another moment in the book that you talked about. And I, you were, had, you were getting the opportunity to be the CEO, finally reaching this goal. And you're going into, I think it was the final meeting with the person who, if I'm not mistaken, please correct me if I'm off on this, who's, I think, managing the, who's the managing person for the investment firm. That's the, kind of the, the chief VC that's, that's right? Yes, yes, right. This was Vinod Kozla. He was yes, okay. the and Yeah, he was the partner at Kleiner Perkins. So many people I talk to, and it's amazing too, the more people I talk in leadership, it is amazing how many folks wrestle with self-doubt wrestle with insecurities, wrestle with making the ask. As I was reading this scene, I was feeling myself, I could feel myself tense up when I read what you asked him. So you're sitting down with him and you had come to understand that he was someone who had an agenda that he would like to kind of push in. And so you, were, you wanted to be clear because you didn't want to just be a puppet, essentially. You wanted to be the CEO. And you asked him eventually, are you asking me to be, am I going to get to be the CEO? Or are you asking me to somebody to execute your agenda? My question to you, Shelly, is, is there something that you're doing, a ritual, something you're focusing on to get you to a place to make that ask? Because I feel like a lot of us lose the nerve to even make the ask before we even get a chance to make the ask because of where our mind and thoughts are. And you talk about in the book too, how, 
there was this long pause that gave you ample time to run through all the self-doubts, everything else. So I'm wondering, is there a strategy that you use to get to the point to make that ask? Uh, yes. I consciously work on building courage. Courage, we're not born with courage. You see somebody who's courageous, they aren't born that way. Human beings are born to run when they're afraid because we cannot protect ourselves in nature, right? So we are not born with courage. But I have found that courage is really important. And so I had to build the muscle. And it's just like exercise, right? I mean, you first start exercise, right? And you're working it and you know what? Oh my God, it gets tiring <laughs> and your muscles get sore. And it would be easy just to stop, but you have to push through the discomfort, mm. right? Push through because that's just the muscle tearing down and rebuilding and then you get stronger and stronger, right? All of that. Well, building any skill is the same way. So I find that courage is one that I wanted to make my superpower. Because if I had the courage, then there's a lot more things that I could do. And I also found that people actually like to follow people who were courageous. They like to work with people who were courageous. And so all of that is good in a leader. So that asking, you know, Vinod, was I scared? Yes. Yes. I'd love to say, oh, no, I wasn't scared at all. Not true. Not true. I was absolutely scared. But I also knew that I would not forgive myself if I had not asked the question and if I had taken a job that was not the job that I wanted. I'd been working my entire career for the CEO job. I wanted a real CEO job. So you have that yin yang. Are you scared? Absolutely. But what is, you know, here's what I ask myself when I get those kind of situations, Jesse. I'm afraid of something, don't wanna take the risk because it's risky. I ask myself, okay, if I take the risk, then what happens? Now, is that worth it? And then here's the key, because usually the answer is yes. The key question is, what's the worst that can happen? And can I live with it? And mm. so in that moment, I decided that the worst that could happen is he'd decide I'm not the person who wants to be CEO. And if he decided that, could I live with that? I could because I don't want the job if it's not a real CEO job. So therefore, I've got to ask the question, mm. right? And then it's just psyching yourself up. And it's like, I don't know if you ever played sports or something, but it's the same concept of you. Why do you think people get in a huddle right before it's time to go? You kind of, oh, we're gonna get yourself psyched up because you got to get that energy, that power to give it your all at the very next play, right? That very next step. Because we, don't, we can't all keep our energy at the highest level all the time. So we have to psych ourselves up. And that's what I do. I psych myself up and then I ask and then I, you know, grip my teeth. <laughs> it's like, okay, so what's gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? All right, all right. That's literally, yeah. that's what you do. That scene, I have to tell you, as a reader, it came across as so incredibly authentic because you didn't do the highlight real version leading up to it. Because I felt like I knew you, because I felt like I was so intimately invested in your journey, because I saw you go through the, the challenges, because I saw you make the choices that you made, because I saw you go to the conference five weeks after giving birth to your daughter. It was so much different reading 
you having that moment and having that question asked with the emotion was so much more intense for me to experience. Did you get nervous? Oh Did you God, get yeah. I was just like, I, I really, I was like, I had to swallow. And then when you, when, when I read it, I, I had to put the book down. I was like, holy shit, that was a big question. <laughs> and and, and it, it was, but it was such a cool thing to experience as a reader because you'll hear people say that in other books and you don't necessarily feel it because you haven't been on the intimate part of the journey with them as you took us on with you. We haven't gotten to know their family. We haven't saw the behind the scenes. It's again, it's these bullet point gloss overs of where I grew up, what my, what, where I went to school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you jump into the whole other thing about what you know them as before. And so it really did just add to that. And yeah, I totally, whew. There was another lesson that your mom had imparted on you. And I, I think this is so relevant to, at the time of this recording, it's mid-October 2020. And we're very much still in the midst of COVID, pandemic. Shelly and I were talking beforehand about the world we're living in right now is a world where Disneyland just released the statement. They don't know when they're going to open. So we're living in a world where literally there's no in, in, near in sight for when Disneyland will open. One of the early lessons your mom imparted to you was about life not being fair. And you go through this incredible journey together and you come to a point where life is very unfair and your husband gets diagnosed with cancer. And there's a scene early on where you and your family come together and you make a very clear choice about how do we find this circumstance as a blessing? How do we find the blessing in this circumstance? Can you talk to listeners, viewers a little bit about that? Because I think that is such a, an empowering notion to consider because so many of us are in that space right now where we feel like life isn't fair. We've lost loved ones. We've lost businesses. We've lost security, safety. We, we've, we've lost in many ways the foundation that we had all known. And I mean, Disneyland's not happening anytime soon. And I firmly believe, as I know you do too, that there is an opportunity to find the blessing, but I think a lot of us don't even begin to consider that as a realm of possibility. So can you just speak to that for a moment, please? Certainly. So I do fundamentally believe that everything that happens, there is a blessing in there somewhere. Sometimes you have to look hard, hard, hard to find it, but I believe it's there. And so, yes, my husband got diagnosed with a term, not just cancer, but a terminal cancer. And whew, I mean, after you get your head around all that, you know, my kids are like, so what's the blessing now, mom? Right? Because I've always said, it's always a blessing. And so I had to work on it. What is the mm -hmm. blessing? And when I came down to, as I said, you know what? I know what our blessing is. Our blessing is that the three of us will live a much better life as a result of daddy's diagnosis. Because we know, we know that life is short, that there are no promises. And even though we all know in our heads somewhere that yes, life is finite and eventually one day we do pass, it's still a concept. It's still a theory. It actually rarely impacts how people make decisions every day and what they mm -hmm. choose to do every day but we were actually gonna be much more conscious and much more aware. So I started taking every single vacation day. We 
decided to do family trips every other year. And this was before the kids really had vacation. So if they were going to take a family trip, that was their two week vacation, right? Mm. I mean, so it was, those were choices that honestly, if this hadn't been the backdrop, probably wouldn't have happened. Kids wouldn't give their parents their only two weeks in the year, right? All, so a lot of things that we did, we're now very conscious about, we celebrate everything. We acknowledge, right? We do. It's like, we think we should do it. We don't put it off. We do. So all of that gave us the ability to have no regrets when Scotty passed. And that's a blessing. A lot of people absolutely don't have that experience. So yes, I do believe that there is a blessing. Is it hard to find sometimes? Yes. But you, and you have to look for it. It's not always obvious right there on a silver platter for you. You have to dig and you have to look for it. But many times, tragedies and hard things that happen actually make you stronger, make you better. My mother used to always say growing up, whenever something happened, it builds character. That was her thing. Oh, it's okay. It builds character. And I remember saying to her one time, I don't need any more character. I've got enough character, right? What is with this character? Um, but it's true, right? But it's true. It's kind of all, all there. So yeah, you know, I, I, one of the things I talk about in the book is that our challenges and our hardships actually tend to become our strengths. So, you know, you learn from it, you build from it, and you do learn how to, how to move on. So yeah, Scotty passed away last year and we had an amazing marriage almost, gosh, it would have been just short of 35 years. Wow. And he's someone that I would have married all over again at any point, knowing everything that I knew. So I was super, super fortunate. And what's the blessing? If I had known when we got married that he would have passed when he did, would I have still married him? The answer is yes, because we had a great life while he was alive. You all, again, going back to unapologetically ambitious, being this kind of hybrid book, I think you really see the, the magic of the book coming out when Shelley talks about her and Scotty's relationship. And what you see throughout the whole book is these two very vulnerable, open people who trust in one another so deeply that they're willing to be able to make these conscious choices as a unit over and over and over again to, to help support Shelly's career, not because it's her career, but they're doing it for the unit of the family as a whole to make all their lives better. And she talks through about several scenes in there where Scotty, again, six foot two football player, big hands, is standing out in the carpool lane with the, with the moms waiting to pick up the kids. And there's just, there's, there's several really wonderful scenes with Scotty in there. And I think it's, again, you're going to, you're going to read this book and you're going to take a lot away about leadership and business, but I think you take almost even more away about life and about just considerations that we can make for ourselves and how we interact and communicate with one another and seeing how their relationship unfolds in the way it does, because they're so conscious and intentional about how they communicate with one another, how they make decisions with one another. I, I found it to be one of the most inspiring things about the book. Shelly, I want to be, I have like five pages of notes here. I haven't even gotten through a fraction of them. I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. So before I ask my final question, where can folks find you, connect with you? Where's the best place they can go? 
Thank you for asking. So Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y-E.com. You can definitely find me there. You can find information on the book and the links and all those kinds of things as well. I'm also very active in social media. So follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. I'm there as well. Uh, and, you know, read the book. Read the book and let me know what you think. I wrote this really as a gift. I am just trying to share. I really am so that other people can hopefully learn, get inspired and figure out how to get more out of life, to get what they want out of life, professionally and personally. You all, I can attest to the Instagram activeness too. I didn't realize she had an Instagram account and earlier today I found she did. I followed her, I made a comment and then there was a reply to the comment right away. So she's definitely active on there. She's engaged. It's, it's, it's gonna be one of those channels where I think she's, there's a very clear commitment to providing value and supporting you on your journey. Shelly, my final question. At 16 years old, you knew you wanted to be a CEO. <laughs> yeah. At 16 years old, you knew you wanted to be a CEO. I'm curious what your definition of success was at a 16, as a 16 year old and how has that definition evolved now as you sit here today having accomplished that goal, having to accomplish so much, having been on the incredible journey you've been on, has that definition of success evolved at all from your 16-year-old self? Mm, you're right. When I was 16, I set that goal, having really not much clue on what that really meant. <laughs> and, and at 16, success was achieving my goals. So I put goals in place, achieving goals. That was success. What is success now? It's still achieving goals but it's also having an impact. You know, this, this phase of my life, especially, it's all about impact and inspiration. I just want mm -hmm. people to feel that as a result of interacting with me, reading my books, seeing me speak or getting to know me, that somehow their life has been enriched. That is success for me today. I love that. Everyone, my goodness, are you going to want to rewatch and re-listen? In addition to reading the book, there is a treasure trove of wisdom that Shelly shared with us today from taking us on the early days of her journey about the difference between making conscious choices versus sacrifice, looking at some of the beautiful life lessons her mom looked at. Maybe it's an opportunity for all of us to revisit some of those life lessons our moms tried to impart on us and see that there's some undiscovered and untapped into wisdom there. The idea of how it goes in and developing courage as a muscle Gosh, I love that analogy. You know, all of us have been through that point of working out and recognizing that there's the burn and they always say, feel the burn, push through it because that's where it is. And to think that you can do the same thing with courage, to build that up as a muscle and to be able to get to the bigger ask, the bigger ask. I love she went into such depth about her personal life in the book, especially because it does, it really makes it hopeful and inspiring for each of us. Most of this book, I felt like I could reach out and touch Shelly. You know, a lot of times I think we read books about people and they, it's their journey to success. And they seem almost so removed from us that it's hard to relate. But this entire book was a relatability with her where I really did go through that emotional roller coaster, And I felt like she kept writing it to me to let me know and reassure, hey, I'm making these choices here. I'm not sac making sacrifices. I love the idea that she called the attention to that, that time period between 25 and 35 years old and looking at how a decade of our life can dramatically impact and define the next major chapters of our life. 
breaking it down and doing the planning from going through the early days of planning her jacket, specifically she got in college for when it's pregnant. It's an invitation to all of us to look at where can we plan a little bit more? Where's an opportunity to plan and distinguish the difference between goals and dreams? I love she broke that down and separated the goals about having a plan in place with it and a timeline with it. Big difference there between goals and dreams. I think a lot of times those words get interchangeable and we, we hear go for your dreams, go for your goals as they're one and the same, but they're, they're two clearly different things. Coming full circle to communication and what we can all take away if we, we are willing to communicate more with ourselves. There's so much in this book that I didn't get a chance to talk with Shelly about, about talking about your goals, telling everybody what you want to know, telling everybody where you want to go. I couldn't even begin to cover this in the time we had together. I wouldn't be able to cover it in three interviews, which is why I highly encourage you all to go out, pick up the book, Unapologetically Ambitious. There is just, I promise you, you will get, you might come to it for business and you'll get that. But what you're going to really take away from it is, is not only how to be a better leader, not only how to rise in your career, but I think really how to live a better life and create more meaningful relationships. And at a time when there is so much uncertainty in the world right now, and we all talk about wanting to feel more connected to one another, what better way to do that than to read a book that's going to help you really outline do exactly that. Shelly, this has been such an incredible gift sharing this time with you. Thank you so much for doing that. And I promise you that you are living your definition of success because you have truly made an impact on me today. And you have certainly made an impact on those who are listening and watching right now. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Jesse. I really appreciate the opportunity to spend with you. And I appreciate your feedback on the book. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to